just want to pray one more time for a good start. Lord, just pray, Lord, that you would just take me out of the way, Father. I just humble myself before you, Father, and, and I just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us tonight, Father. Pray that our hearts would be open, God. I pray that our hearts would be humble, Lord. I pray that you would give us spiritual eyes, Lord, to see. I pray that you would give us spiritual ears to hear, Father, and we want to hear from you tonight, God, and we want to grow, Lord, in our Christianity, in our maturity of your word, in our maturity as Christians, Lord, I pray that we as men and women of God would be able to handle not just milk, but meat from your word, and God, I pray that you would help us to learn how to apply your word and into our lives, first of all, God, that we would look um, to ourselves first, Father, applying your word, and then, God, just be able to apply the word the way you show us, uh, the way you show us to, God, I just pray, um, again, speak to us tonight, Father, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, when Randy had asked me to preach, I, I was just asking the Lord what he would have us um, to hear and, and for me to preach on, and um, I just read some things in my personal time with the Lord, and the Lord just start several scriptures in my heart together, and, and I hope that makes sense to you, um, and I pray that they would minister to you, um, but the title to the sermon that the Lord gave me was Being a Watchman, and if y'all can turn with me to Ezekiel, chapter 3, and we've heard this, we've heard this passage before, while you're turning there, I just want to give a real, I guess just kind of a, a common definition of what a watchman is, so a watchman is one set to watch a person who keeps guard, especially one who guards a building or the street of a city by night. So it's someone that's watching for danger, that's watching for uh, danger that may come. If you can read along with me in Ezekiel chapter 3, starting in verse 17, it says, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel, Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Church, I just want to exhort us tonight that God has called all of us to be watchmen. He has certainly called pastors, he has certainly called teachers to be watchmen in the responsibilities and authority that God gives in a church. But you and I as Christians, you and I as lay people in the church, and I would consider my person a lay person, myself a lay person in the church, um, God has entrusted each one of us to be watchmen. Uh, and first of all, to be watchmen over our own hearts. And then as, as fathers, as mothers, and especially men as fathers in a household, God has entrusted you to be a watchman over your family. Okay? And, and this is not just something that is spoken about uh, in the Old Testament, it certainly is. God called prophets and he gave sort of the office of a prophet to be a watchman into the people. Prophets tended to be sort of coming from the outside, you know, um, warning the people. 
Isaiah, Jeremiah, these are prophets that came and challenged the kings. They challenged those that were in authority, sort of the elite or whatever at the time, that there was a problem and there was a danger coming because many times the, the spiritual authorities and even the, the legal authorities at the time had become lax, had become compromised, and it caused vulnerabilities to come within the nation of Israel. And the same thing can happen in a church. Um, y'all turn with me to Acts chapter 20. And this is a warning from Paul, and I, I really believe, at least in some, some sense, Paul is referencing Ezekiel and some of the terminology that's used. So if y'all can look with me, Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 26, it says, and this is just to put this into context, this is Paul, he is being brought, I believe it's to Jerusalem to be arrested. Uh, many of the church leaders um, at the time, there was a warning and there was even a prophecy to Paul that he's about to be arrested. And Paul knows in his spirit, this is going to be sort of the, the last few things he's going to be able to say to the church. And, and there's a stirring in his heart. There's a concern in his heart. And this is what he speaks. He says, starting verse 26, wherefore, I take you to record this day. He says, I want you to remember what I said this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. Do you see, do you remember how we just read in Ezekiel about the blood of men being on you? So Paul is saying, he's almost referencing this prophecy, and he's referencing at least what's spoken in Ezekiel, that he is free from the blood of all men. And what does that mean? So what does he say? Verse 27, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Let me stop right there. All the counsel of God. What is Paul saying here? He didn't hold back. He didn't give a partial counsel of God. He gave the full counsel of God. And we're going to, as we go along, we're going to see how that applied in different churches because the letters that Paul wrote to different churches, he was addressing different situations. Okay, there was a problem in this church, and this is what he addressed. There was a problem in this church, and this was what he addressed. But he never withheld the full counsel of God. Certainly, there are certain issues in each church that he dealt with. But Paul's heart from the Lord was to give the full counsel of God. Okay? What is in, going on in verse 28? He says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves. So this first thing he says, he says, Take heed to yourself first. And then he says to all the flock, meaning those that God's going to put under you, all right, your responsibility, over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. And I would say, and when he's talking about feeding, the same thing that he did, that it would be all the counsel of God. It'd be the full counsel of God, all right? And so I want to take a look at, at those two things that Paul is, is exhorting and instructing the church leaders at this time and instructing the church. The first thing is, what do I take heed to? Okay, because he's talking about heeding. And then, what am I feeding? What does it mean to feed? Okay. Y'all turn with me to Proverbs chapter 30. And I'd read part of this Sunday. But if you could turn to... Uh, Proverbs 30, verses 5 to 6. Verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. Okay, let that just kind of sink for a second. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. Okay? 
God and his word is going to be my shield. Amen. It's not going to be Alberto's own opinion about himself, his own opinion about the word of God. The ultimate authority is God and his his word is what's going to shield me. Amen. This is very key. Verse six. Add thou not unto his words, speaking about the Lord, lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. I must be very, 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 very careful as I share the gospel, as I teach opportunities that God gives me to share the word that I do not add unto what the word of God has said. And, and Pastor Randy has said this before, we never make the gospel easier and we never make it harder. Okay? Because people can go to both extremes. All right? We never add into what God says. All right? So that's the Old Testament. Let's look at the New Testament, Revelation. If I could turn with me there. Revelation chapter 22. And we're going to read verses 18 and 20. Or 18 and 19, I believe. Verse 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Okay, And that's certainly talking about the revelation that God gave John and those specific things. But I believe that same principle applies to the entire word of God. We just saw it in Proverbs, right? And so I need to be very careful in how I minister to the word of God I don't add my own words to something. I don't take away from the Word of God because oftentimes what can happen is Alberto, when he's operating in his flesh, and this can happen to any of us, we must be led by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I can withhold something from, from a brother or sister in the Lord that they need to hear because of the fear I may have in my heart about how they're going to react. Okay, And then at the same time, I can react in my emotions and my flesh and I can add something to say to that brother, sister, and the Lord that's not from God. Okay? And there may be a portion that's from the Lord and a portion, portion that's from Alberto and it may tinge in effect the pure word of God or the word of God that he has for that person. Okay? So we just talked about our responsibility about being a watchman, being an overseer. I need to be very careful how I apply the Word of God, okay? And I need to be very clear and very sure that the Holy Spirit is leading me to say this and how the Lord is leading me to say it. Because oftentimes, we're all human beings. We can allow our emotions to get the best of us and it can really affect truly what God's trying to say to us, okay? <coughs> Y'all turn with me. We're, we're going to look through a lot of Scripture. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11, okay? In... And we're going to see it mentioned twice again in Matthew. But this is a very important instruction that Jesus gives to his disciples and as he's preaching to the people. Okay, Luke chapter 11. We're going to read verses 34 to 36. It says the light. This is Jesus speaking. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, meaning single and purpose, single hearted, Thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, or, and I would say even compromised, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, you see that word again? Take heed, therefore, 
that the light which is in thee be not darkness. Okay, and that would be the absence of light. What is light? Okay, the Lord. If thy whole body therefore be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light as when the bright shining of a candle doth the light. Okay, and so a watchman, going back to what we spoke at the beginning, what does a watchman need to be able to see? Their eyes, right? Their sight. Their sight has to be clear. They have to see things very clearly. We are just talking a little bit about paint before the, the, ser- the uh, service got started. You know, I don't know if you ever painted your house. Maybe you haven't, maybe you haven't. But sometimes light can appear different with different amounts of light. Okay, and sometimes I may say, oh, you know, that looks gray or that looks beige or that looks like another color. But when you flood the room with light or when it's seen completely in its light, the true color can be seen. Okay? And so what am I trying to say? Sometimes in my limited ability to see something, okay, I need the Lord and His light to show me clearly what, what, what is the issue, okay? Or what am I really seeing, okay? And I think oftentimes, sometimes we can let our emotions, we can let our, our, our um, zealousness uh, get the best of us, and, and that includes me, and and not see the complete clear picture or see everything that God's trying to do, everything God's trying to say, and everything, and the way God wants to do it, okay? It's very, very important to be aware of this. Jesus, or this is repeated again in Matthew. If y'all can turn with me there. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. And this, this passage is a little bit longer, but I want you to note how Jesus says this, okay, in the order in which it's written, all right? Verse 19 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. And so what is this saying? You can say, oh, well, money, money is the evil, and, and it's only money, and money is not going to cause me to see things correctly, okay? That can certainly be the case if greed is an issue in your heart. But when the Lord is talking about treasures in our heart, what is He getting at, okay? It's not just, okay, that's a very greedy person, and so I'm not going to listen to what they're going to say, okay? That's a greedy preacher or whatever, all right? We're missing the point. That certainly is, is, is an important point and a valid point. I believe it's clear here. But there's something deeper at stake here. Okay, It's what am I treasuring in my heart? And what is the singleness of my heart? Is it the Lord and His kingdom? Or is it me and my opinions? Okay, Or even my own integrity? Or even my own reputation? Y'all, this gospel... This word is not about me. It's not about you. It's about the Lord. And you know what? God can use a donkey to speak. He doesn't need me. And so for me to even be given this word, I'm humble to give the word of God. Don't ever think yourself more highly 
than another man when God has given you a word to speak, okay? But in the tremendous responsibility the Lord has given me, I need to be very careful, very careful that I'm seeing clearly, very careful that there's a singleness in my heart, that the motives in my heart are God and His kingdom, heavenly things, not earthly things. Where am I laying up my treasure? Am I worried about my reputation or relationships among men more than the truth of God? Okay? That's very important because God's going to allow situations to come to you as a Christian. You're going to walk through paths. You're going to walk through situations where the things and the motives in your heart, God's going to test. Okay? And it always needs to be about the Lord and His integrity, His Word. And God can defend Himself. He certainly does not need me. But that's what this is all about. It's not about a movement. It's not about a cause. It's not about a name on a building. This is about the Lord. This is about the, His Word. Amen? And the integrity of His Word. Um, y'all turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, uh, a chapter over, okay? And this is another context uh, of how my, my vision about something cannot be clear. Matthew 7, verses 3 to 5. Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So what is the Lord saying here? He's not saying that there wasn't a mote in the other person's eye. Okay? But what was he saying? He said, You better, you better see for yourself, take heed unto yourself first. Before you're worried about what you're looking at on the outside. What's the Lord warning about? My heart, the things in my heart, sin that may be in my heart. I better be a watchman over my own soul before I'm worried about um, seeing what's wrong with other people. Amen. And so Jesus is not saying it's not correct to discern. Okay. Because sometimes people can use this verse and say, well, well, no, you know, this, this and that. It's about being right in my own heart before I go and discern things that are outside of my responsibility. Okay? Amen? As a watchman. Because that's what this message is about, is being a watchman. All right? Very, very important. And so, I want to go to the second point that Paul made about feeding the church. Okay? And and feeding the flock. What does that mean? So, in verse 27, he says... I shun not to declare all the counsel of God. All right? I must be very careful that I as a Christian do not paint a picture of the Lord that is my own opinion or my own view of who the Lord is. Okay? This can happen a lot in Christianity, and it's a very dangerous thing. I would, always, I would almost call it like a caricature, because y'all know what a caricature is. So like a street artist... You know, if you got a big nose or big ears, you know, I got kind of big ears. That's what's accentuated, okay? And I know that perhaps that's a silly example, but sometimes what men can do in their ministering of the Word of God, they can only focus on one aspect of the Lord or one character of the Lord and not give the full counsel of God. And so that in and of itself is not wrong. But when that's the only picture that's given of the Lord, I'm only seeing a caricature of who the Lord is. And I'm not seeing the full picture of what He really is. And I can't appreciate the Lord for what He is. Okay, I'd be gazing at another man's uh, caricature 
and not the true picture of who the Lord is. It's very important that I'm careful I do not do that. And I'm very careful that when I'm hearing the Word of God ministered, that it's the full counsel of God. Amen. And I would say Paul dealt with this. And he dealt with extremes of this, okay? And we kind of studied it somewhat uh, in the past year, okay? And, and let me just kind of cover it very, very briefly just for the sake of time. If y'all can go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we know one of the, the big, biggest issues that Paul dealt with in the church of Corinthians was a sec- sexual immorality, okay? There was incest going on, but that was a byproduct of of how this church was conducting itself. Because there was not a judging, there was not a discerning of the Word of God, and the Word of God was not being applied correctly. They thought they were applying the Word of God correctly. And I would say because they were only using one aspect of, of what the Word of God says, okay, about loving someone, but there wasn't the correction in the application of the Word of God the way it should have happened. And so sin remained in the church, okay? And Paul... Paul hit sort of one of the, the key problems in the church in chapter 3, okay? What does he say? He says, And I, brethren, cannot speak unto you as, to, as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, as unto babes in Christ, meaning you're a brain new... I'm, I'm speaking to you like you're a brain new Christian, where you don't really know much about the Word of God, and I have to speak to you as someone that's carnal and not someone that's spiritual, spiritually mature. Amen. And all of us at some point especially myself, have been spiritually immature. Verse 2, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. So he's saying the strong word of God I'm trying to give you right now, you, you can barely handle it, okay? Verse 3, for, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? And so he goes on to say in this chapter that one's saying I'm with this guy, the other one's saying I'm with this guy. There's not a spiritual application of the Word of God. There's not addressing what the spiritual issue is in the church, okay? Um, y'all go with me to chapter 4 and look at the heart of Paul in this. Verse 14. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. Okay? We must be very careful as men and women of God, as watchmen, as overseers, that our motives and the way we speak about things is not to shame someone else, but in all sincerity to warn them. Okay? And warn them because there is danger. There was danger in this church because this this sin was going to start spreading and the whole church was going to implode in a sense. Okay? And... While we're there, let's just read through it. Verse 18. Now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord will and will know, not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Okay? What is that saying? Paul and the issues he was addressing wasn't about how ornate in his language he was going to be. Apparently, Paul was not a super charismatic guy, okay? And many, many people accused, uh, I believe it was in this epistle, I may be wrong, of him being weak, kind of a weak guy, okay? And Paul is saying this, he's saying, 
The words that I speak are not mere words and a puffing up of pride that I'm right and you're wrong. It's having to do with a power. It's a spiritual power and a spiritual authority. It doesn't matter if I'm the most stubborn kind of person, okay? If I have the authority of the Word of God, there is power behind it. And I don't have to resort to puffing myself up. I don't have to resort to name-calling. I don't have to resort to shaming other people, okay? Let the Word of God speak and let His power and His authority come through. Not my own persuasive abilities, not my own whatever. It's all about the Word of God and His power and His authority, okay? And I want to get out of the way and let the Lord do what He needs to do. Let the Lord speak the way He needs to speak, okay? We have to be careful and we have to be patient in that. We have to be long-suffering, okay? And we also have to be merciful, Amen. As the Lord's been merciful to us, let us be also merciful to others. Amen. That doesn't mean we don't warn. That doesn't mean we're not discerning. Okay. But it was almost, it must always be for the benefit of the church because that's what Paul was doing it for, right? Because it wasn't Paul's church to begin with. It was the Lord's church. Amen. Um, I don't have the time to cover this, but Galatians um, was another extreme. Where there wasn't love shown, there was um, not a clear understanding of what faith had become. Men had come and said, you've you got to be circumcised, you've got to do all these things to be a real Christian. And they had, lost their, they had lost what their understanding of faith. And Paul dealt with that, okay? And so do you see, I'm just giving two examples, but do you see how there's different aspects of the character of God, of the counsel of God that are given but it's all the full counsel of the Lord. So I can just pick one passage and say, well, this is what you're doing or this is what's wrong and not, not look at the full counsel of God, okay? And so we must be very careful when the word of God is taken out of context. We must be very careful when only a partial counsel of the Lord is given. It's very important. And I, I, I sincerely believe that's why Paul used the word, the full counsel, all the counsel of God. Amen? Y'all go with me to Psalms 127. Psalms 127, and we're going to look at verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Okay, what does that mean? I can have a great zeal with not a lot of knowledge. And so if I'm a watchman and I'm watching a city, I'm so guarded, I'm so jealous, I'm protecting, I'm protecting, I'm protecting. What am I protecting? Okay. Just let that kind of sink a little bit. What am I protecting? It's the house of God I have to protect. It's the word of God I have to protect. Amen. It's not a persona. It's not a personality. It's not a movement. It's not a cause. It's not a personality that I must be jealous in defending. Amen. Although we we defend brothers and sisters in the Lord in truth. But ultimately, it's not down to that. It's down to the word of God and his church, capital C, church. Okay. That's what it's all about. And that's what I'm a watchman for. Okay. It's not a watchman for team A or a watchman for team B. Okay. And we have to be careful of that as Christians because our emotions can get involved 
in, in human emotions and we can defend a point and get lost in the whole thing. When it's ultimately not about my Alberto's opinion about something, it's about the Word of God as I read it, as I see it. Amen? And so that's what Psalms is saying. That's what, what David's, uh, or the psalmist here is saying. Um, that, that it would all be in vain for me to watch and, and, and be you know, zealous and all that when it's not even, is this really of God that I'm, what am I defending, I guess is, is what I'm trying to say, right? What am I really defending? It's got to be the Lord. It's got to be Him. All right. I want y'all to turn with me to Romans chapter 16. And we've been speaking about applying the word of God correctly. Romans chapter 16. We don't have time to go through the whole book of Romans. But if you recall from your studies, and we've studied it here before, I'm sure many have studied in their own personal studies. The book of Romans, one of the principal themes is faith. Okay. Paul starts at the beginning and he speaks about the wisdom of man and the rejection of the truth. Then he goes through and he talks about Abraham, about his faith that was accounted for him for righteousness. And so Paul lays very clear the foundation of how we're saved, okay? What salvation means, okay? And what it means to walk as a Christian. Justification and sanctification, those things are explained in here, okay? And at this time, and this is similar to what was happening in Colossians, I believe many, if not all, the people that were doing this are Judaizers. I do not believe they're Christians, or if they were, they were extremely confused. They came in and they were trying to cause confusion, saying that it wasn't just faith that was going to save you, okay? That it was works. And so what does he say in, in chapter 16? Verse 17, he says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. And avoid them. Okay? Let's stop right there. What is Paul speaking about here? Okay? He's speaking about everything he's just spoken through the whole book of Romans. Okay? Verse 18. For they that are serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. And so what is he saying? What is he getting at that is wrong and is causing the division? Okay, That these are men that have no regard for serving the Lord Jesus Christ. It's their own belly, their own desires. Okay, And they use good words and fair speeches to deceive the simple, meaning those that, aren't, those that are not fully understanding the Word of God. Okay, And so... I must be very careful about how I apply this scripture, okay? Because this scripture can be misapplied, all right? I want you to turn back to 2 Chronicles chapter 18, and I've used, preached from this passage before, 2 Chronicles chapter 18, and I want you to read verses 12 to 13. If you recall, this is the, the passage that speaks about King Ahab, King Jehoshaphat. They were going to go to battle. They have all these prophets come. There's like 400 so prophets that say, go into battle. This is the Lord. And they get these horns out. And it's this big thing. The majority of these prophets. And so Jehoshaphat says, is there a man of God that can come and preach? And so here, a messenger is sent to the prophet Micaiah. And in verse 12 it says, And the messenger that went to call Micaiah spake to him, saying, Behold, 
The words of the prophets declare good to the king with one assent. Let thy word, therefore, I pray thee, be like one of theirs, and speak thou good. Okay, speak thou good. And Micaiah, there's nothing wrong with that, right? And Micaiah said, as the Lord liveth, even what my God saith, that will I speak. And I don't have time to go through all of it, but if you continue reading, Micaiah ends up giving the word of God, and Ahab commands that Micaiah be put out and put in prison, away from the whole assembly and be put away from everyone, okay? If I take verse 17 of chapter 16 of Romans out of context and just pull that one verse which caused divisions, could Micaiah very well have been accused of causing division because he didn't, agree, he didn't speak the same thing all the other prophets did? If I just took that, couldn't he be, he was being disloyal to his king? He was told not to do that, okay? So, quote-unquote division in and of itself, although that can certainly be a very dangerous thing, that being labeled as a division, I have to be very careful how I do that. And I have to be very careful how I'm applying the Word of God because prophecy often will cause division. What does that division mean? There's going to be a dividing of what's the truth and what is not the truth. What is of the Lord and what is not of the Lord? What is spiritual and what is carnal? Okay? And so I have to be very careful how I apply Scripture, y'all. And when I read passages, I have to compare what Paul is speaking about in this epistle and then look at what he's speaking about in other epistles dealing with that same issue. All right? But if I just take this one and I'm, and I'm zealous... And it may be done with the greatest of intentions. Man, I'm going to, that's a wrong thing over there with the, the best and sincerest of intentions. Y'all know I could be so sincere and so uh, earnest in what I'm saying and be completely wrong. Okay? I include myself in that. Okay? I include myself in that. I need to be very careful that it's not just my zealousy that's getting the best of me, my righteous indignation, all right? But is it the word of God speaking? Am I really speaking what God is speaking? All right. I need to be very careful because I may be eating my words later on. All right. Paul, I think I believe Paul. um, Paul certainly felt this because he knew this. Okay, when he was a scribe, when he was a Pharisee, he was killing Christians. Y'all, he was he was going and he was throwing them in jail. He thought he was doing such great things for God. What did God have to do? God had to knock him literally off his high horse, okay? And Paul goes on and he says, I did all those things in ignorance, okay? I do not want to do things in ignorance, amen? I want to do them spiritually. I, want to, I do not want to do them carnally. I want to do it in a very uh, mature, spiritual, a very humble way, in one that's not just done to shame, but it's really done... To, as a warning and as a protection, okay? Because that's the watchman's role, is to protect the city, is to protect the building, to make sure danger's not coming, all right? Because what? In the definition, it talks about darkness, right? And we just went through the scriptures about darkness. Seeing and having clarity to see that danger may be approaching. And it's done with the intention of protecting, not dividing. It's not to divide the city, it's to protect the city, okay? In, in Romans... Chapter 16, it wasn't done with that intention. The, these men that were causing divisions and strife. It was done for their own personal pleasure and their own desires. It says their own belly. Okay? We must be very careful with that. 
Y'all turn with me. We're, we're coming to a close. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this was almost, this almost parallels the warning that Paul gave in Acts, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 4. This is a warning to the people of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And not many lords. One Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. Wow. I just think about, about my future and in, in, in getting married and, and children, if the Lord blesses me with that. I would implore you that have children. This is your responsibility as parents. And I would even say friends around you. People around you, you as more mature men and women in the Lord, people have been walking with the Lord longer. You have a responsibility, okay? How do you share what you've been taught, okay? And what did he say? What was the the greatest commandment? Because Jesus references this exact passage when they ask him, what is the greatest commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. These words which I command this day shall be in thine heart. Okay? They weren't even on the Ten Commandment stones. What was he saying to the people of Israel? That it would be in your heart. Okay? In what? That you should teach them partially, that you should teach them every now and then. You, should, you know, what does it say? Teach them diligently unto your children. And then not only teach them. So let's let's have a Bible study. y'all. Let's really study the word of God. What does it also say? Talk of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way. When you're lying down, when you're getting up in the morning, I'm not a morning person. Even when you're getting up talking, talk about the Lord, talk about what he's done. Talk about what he says in his word. Because guess what? If you're only applying the word of God when you feel you're seeing a danger, there's not going to be much authority in your life. Okay, there won't. Because if you're speaking about the word of God in season, out of season, all the time, there's going to be a spiritual authority and there's going to be a spiritual power to what you're sharing. Because you're not just pulling out the word of God to make your own point at this moment. But it's something that you're practicing because the word of God is being applied not just to see something that's wrong in someone else. But the word of God has also been shared to encourage, to instruct, to teach. Okay, do you see that? Do you see how important that is? Okay, it's very, very important. And that's your role as being a watchman is not just warning when there's a danger, but warning before there is a danger. Okay. Because there's the word of God that is, is, is being applied as a protection constantly. And it's not just when crisis hits, but it's always. I'm wrapping up. Let me, I just want to share this example because this is a practical example that you see. If you can turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 7. This, this book 
speaks about Jerusalem being rebuilt, the temple was being rebuilt, the walls were being rebuilt. And these walls and these gates are a spiritual picture, okay? Certainly, that was certainly a physical thing, but it also serves to us as a spiritual picture, all right? Starting in verse 7, it says, Now it came, in verse 1, I'm sorry, Now it came to pass when the wall was built, and I had set up the doors, and the porters, and the singers, and the Levites were appointed, that I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem. For he was a faithful man and feared God above many. And I said unto them, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun be hot. And while they stand by, and this is the key part, let them shut the doors and bar them, and appoint watches of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, every one in his watch, and every one to be over against his house. So what does that speak to me? That there is a greater responsibility of the wall, right? And that can certainly be our responsibility as men and women of God that are watchmen. But one of the most important things that needs to be watched over is, first of all, me. And second of all, the responsibility of my family immediately is going to be my next responsibility before I'm charging out over there saying that there's danger coming. Okay? And, you know, why do I share all this? Because... God may have a sincere warning that he's given you and you may in a very carnal way apply that warning. And the true warning that God wanted to give is lost because you didn't do it spiritually. Okay? And so I as a Christian, and I'm I'm speaking this to myself, I want to be very careful because if God wants to really say something, I don't want to be the one to cause someone else to stumble because I didn't do it correctly, okay? And I want to be careful about that, okay? All of us need to be careful about that. And I'm not just talking about one specific situation. I'm talking about in everything, in all I walk with the Lord, in everything that I do, even the way I instruct my children, if I just do it out of anger, or when I speak to my, my spouse, if I just, I may be right in something that needs to be brought up, but I do it in a carnal way, and it's lost because I'm doing it in my flesh. I'm doing it in a very carnal emotional way all right and and i don't want the word of god and what he wants to say to be lost because i'm getting in the way okay and i don't have the full light of what he wants to want the full light that i need to have in my heart amen because it may end up being about me vindicating myself being the right person and the other person being the wrong person instead of it being about what does the lord want and what's the right thing that the lord wants i mean because that's what it's got to be about Psalms 127, that's what this is all about. It's his house. It's vain if it's all about me and my own opinion and my own estimation about, about myself. Um, let's go back to Ezekiel, just to bring it back. Ezekiel chapter 33. And after we read this, I want to read a passage from um, a book. Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 6 to 11. But if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned. If the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hands. I do not want to have the blood of men on my hands. As difficult as me giving warnings, godly in a spiritual way, what it may cost me personally. I fear the Lord and I fear 
the danger that may come to my brothers and sisters in the Lord or lost people in this world that there has not been the warning and the full counsel of God. I don't want to have, I want to be like Paul and genuinely say, I, I am innocent of the blood of all men, okay? Sometimes that's going to cost you a lot. It costs Paul a lot, okay? So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. What is he saying? It's not coming from Ezekiel's mouth. It's not coming from Ezekiel's heart. It's not coming from Ezekiel's mind. It's not coming from Ezekiel's opinion. What's it coming from? The Lord's mouth. The Lord's word, okay? And when I say unto the wicked, a wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Therefore, and we're going to get to what the heart of the Lord is in this next couple of verses. Therefore, O thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus ye speak, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how shall we then live? Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye from your evil ways, for will ye die, O house of Israel? What is this verse saying, and what is it saying about the Lord, and what should be my heart? Boy, I warned them, but... You know, good for them. They got what was coming to them. What was God's desire? He didn't want any of them to die. And so if there is a warning the Lord has caused me to give, and there's not the response that I desired, okay, the Lord desired, okay, I need to be very careful that my heart does not grow hard, that it does not grow bitter, okay, And then ultimately, I want that person in danger to ultimately come back to the Lord. And I don't take the opinion, even though I'm free from the guilt, from the blood of them, but I don't just shake my hands and be like, okay, you're bad, okay? That's not the Lord's heart, and it shouldn't be my heart, okay? It's ultimately up to the Lord to do something, amen? I can't be, I can't save a man. I can't save the man from from his danger. The Lord has to do it. Amen. I have to be cognizant of that. But at the same time that I would have the Lord's um, desires in that because God does not desire for the wicked to die. He does not desire for those that are in danger to die. Going back to the story of, of Amaziah and King Ahab and Jehoshaphat, God allowed the deception to come, but he also allowed the word of God to come clearly to keep Ahab from dying in that battle. And Ahab died in that battle even though God warned him not to go, okay? God in his love even sent the prophet to to protect him, okay, in a sense. He certainly was trying to, to teach him the deception where he just wanted to hear what he wanted to hear. But he allowed the word of God to come. And that has to be my heart, y'all. That has to be our heart. That we can certainly have... Uh, a zeal without knowledge, but we can also have a knowledge without zeal. And what does that mean? That I have the word of God and I have the sermon of God, but either I fear what men may say 
or I have no heart of compassion for sharing with them what needs to be shared. Okay? And so that has to be my heart, not only for the Lord's church, but it must also be the heart of, of a Christian man and woman for the lost world. Y'all, I ask the Lord to make my heart soft because many times um, it, it can grow hard. It just can. You get frustrated with situations. We're human. We get frustrated with situations. We don't see the results. We just want to run away from everything. We just want, want to run away and forget about it all. But God doesn't have us to be that as men and women of God. What does God describe a Christian being? A soldier. Okay, a soldier carries through. Okay, we're, we're pilgrims on this earth. This is not about me and my pleasures on this earth. Amen for his blessings. Amen for the good things that God gives me. But it's not just about me having a pretty little picket fence Christianity where everything goes fine and I'm never going to have any problems. Okay, or run away from problems. Okay. I want the Lord to work in my life. I want the Lord to grow me through difficulties. We've all gone through great difficulties, but I don't want it to be in vain, okay? If God's taken me this far through something, I want Him to take me all the way through, and I want Him to be glorified at the very end, even when it gets very heated, even when it gets very hard, even when I'm very heartbroken about what's happening. I want to pray it through. I want to be an intercessor all the way through. Because it's so easy just to watch and warn, but it's another thing to really press in, to be an intercessor for the Lord. Let me finish up by reading this passage out of uh, this book called The Christian and Complete Armor. It's a really great book. William Gurnall wrote it. A lot of just great personal, I mean practical things to apply personally. But this is what he says. This is speaking about just being a Christian soldier, Okay. And he gives the example of a soldier serving in a king. He says this. He who has only a nodding acquaintance with the king may be easily persuaded to change his allegiance or will at least try to remain neutral in the face of treason. Some professing Christians have only a passing acquaintance with the gospel. They can hardly give an account of what they hope for or whom they hope in. And if they have some principles they take kindly to, they are so unsettled that every wind blows them away like loose tiles from a housetop. When Satan buffets and temptation washes over you like a tidal wave, you must cling to God's truths. They are your shelter in every raging storm, but you must have them on hand, ready to use. Do not wait until it is sinking to patch the boat. A feeble commitment has little hope of safety when caught in a tempest. While that flounders and drowns, holy determination, grounded in the word, will lift up its head like a rock in the midst of the highest waves. Head knowledge of the things of Christ is not enough. This following Christ is primarily a matter of the heart, not just head knowledge. If your heart is not fixed in its purpose, your principles, as good as they may be, will hang loose and be of no more use in the heat of battle than an ill-strung bow. Half-hearted resolve will not venture much nor far for Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. No will the heart with false motives. A hypocrite may show some strength of spirit for the moment, but he will soon give up his profession when he is pinched on the toe 
where his corn is. In other words, when called to deny that which his evil heart coveted all along. And you know, I don't want to be that superficial Christian where the greatest tempest comes and there's a panic and I'm trying to patch the boat. I want to be so established in the word of God that when crises come, when difficulties come, I'm so grounded in his word that I know how to respond as a Christian soldier. And there's not a panic mode, you know, running around, you know, and there's fear and there's frustration and there's all these things. Um, or there's even a fear to confront. You know, he, he gave the, the, the example where they just kind of try to be neutral about everything. God's going to bring situations in your life where you're going to have to make a choice. And we've been talking about, a, we talked about a lukewarm church in, in Sunday school this past Sunday, right? Where there has to be a choice. There has to be a choice. And you have to exercise discernment. Exercising discernment is difficult, especially sometimes when you may be in the minority. And sometimes we can, we can mistake uh, discernment for causing division. And we certainly need to be careful about that. But I need to know the difference between discernment and division, okay? Because I want to be, I want to be protected in both those ways. I want to be protected from division that is Satan's division, but I want to be protected when there's discernment and warning trying to be given to me that maybe I'm not realizing is there. And I want to be humble enough to receive it. I'm speaking to myself. I'm preaching this to myself, y'all. I want to be humble enough that if there's a danger in my life that I'm not aware of, that I've allowed to come into my heart, I want the Lord, I want my heart to be humble enough for the Lord to be able to come and speak to me. Who, if he uses a donkey or if he uses someone else. And I want to be, I just want to have a heart to receive that, okay? And I want to be a watchman for the Lord. And, and so I pray that the Word of God has encouraged you tonight. I pray that it's giving you clarity. I pray that it's giving you um, soberness and maybe things that God has shown you to be wise, to be spiritual, to be discerning, even discerning in my discernment. Okay, I want to be all those things because I don't want to lose what God's maybe really trying to say uh, for myself. And I don't want it to be about me and in, in, in my, my own reputation or my own feelings getting hurt. Okay, I want it to be about the Lord. I want it to be about Him. Amen. Well, William, you can come up. The altar's open. I pray that you would just really take the time to pray for yourself, first of all. Pray. That the Lord would make you a watchman over your own soul, over your own heart. I pray that um, I would examine my heart. All of us would examine our heart to see if our, our eyes are singular. If we've allowed any compromise in our heart that, that maybe may dull my vision about spiritual things. Maybe I've, I'm not careful in how I apply the word of God. Lord, I pray help me to apply it wisely. Help me to apply it in love and in humility and with, a, and with a desire to warn and not to shame God. And Lord, I pray that you would make all of us watchmen. You would make us true overseers, Lord. That we wouldn't be jealous for our own reputations or movements. But God, we would be jealous for you and your truth and your church. God, your bride. Um, God, this is what it's all about. Father, I and each one of us will have to give an account before you. God, you see all things. 
You see what happens behind closed doors. You hear what's spoken between men and women. And God, you're the ultimate judge, Lord. And I don't want to have blood on my hands, Lord. I don't want to be zealous without knowledge. I don't want to speak a word when you have not given it. Lord, help me to be careful. Help me to be sober. Help me to take heed of all those things, Lord. I pray that you would make us watchmen over our families, watchmen over our our brothers and sisters in the Lord, in humility, Lord. Help us to have that heart, God. And and God, in Ezekiel, you didn't want these wicked to die, Lord. And as as we exercise discernment, God, let let our desires not be to show who's right or who's wrong and leave them there, God. But the, the true desire is to restore them. God, that protection would come. There'd be a restoration in you, Lord. God, that you would truly be glorified. You would truly be magnified. God, I pray even the things that we hear that offend us, Lord, I pray the things even that we hear that trouble us, Lord, let us bring it to you. Let us bring it to you, Father. I pray that you would be our peace. I pray that you would be our defender. God, you know all things, Lord. And and Father, you judge all things, Lord. And, And let us leave it in your hands, Father. Let us be intercessors, Lord. Give us a heart for you. Give us a heart for your church, God. Give us a heart of compassion. For the lost, pray that you give us a heart for lost men and women in this world, Lord. I pray, help us to give the full counsel, the full gospel, Lord. Repentance, conviction, love, mercy, grace, forgiveness, Lord. Let it all, it's a beautiful picture of who you are, God. I don't want a caricature, Lord. I want the full picture of who you are because you're beautiful and you're awesome. And words cannot describe your glory, your holiness, God, your awesomeness, Father. You're, you're the creator of this world, Lord. And God, what a, a great greatness there is in just in that statement that you're the creator of this world. There was nothing. And you made something out of nothing, God. Who am I to question you personally, Lord? Who am I to question what your word says and how to apply your word? God, help me to apply your word correctly, fully, to get full counsel, Lord. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you, the God, that we can go to you in prayer and you can speak. Thank you, Father.